Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Welcome to our episode today on social media and we would like to give a quick shout out to all of our listeners who are tuning in from India. Thank you so much for joining us. We're honoured to have you. Hope you're enjoying the show. And now let's get stuck into social media, Beck, because I am excited about this one. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a long one. So everybody, get ready for a long one. You're going to have an extra long run today. (laughs) That's it. Um, So you might be someone that spends too much time on social media or you might be someone that doesn't enjoy the feeling you get while being on or immediately after you've been on social media. But either way, we will have you covered this episode. We're going to tell you how to spend less time, how to have a more positive experience and that kind of thing. But first of all, I want to give you some stats because I love stats. (laughs) Where would we be without Tara's stats? That's it. So I've got this great picture that I found online and it's hard to explain so I will put a link to it on the website under our show notes but it basically describes the average daily time spent on social media by country over the last six seven years Um, and on average people are spending an hour longer on social media every day than they did in 2012 so in 2012 the average person which and this figure still astounds me spent an hour and a half on social media and Mm -hmm. by the end of 2018 people were spending almost two and a half hours per day on social media and that's the average so there's a lot of people that would be a lot less which means there's a lot of people that would be spending a lot more and I find that pretty staggering yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what that if how that correlates to our productivity. Yeah. Whether we're more or less productive. I don't know. In twenty eighteen there was a social media census done in Australia. I don't I don't recall this at all. I don't know what um segment of the population or how wide this census was. Mm-hmm. Um but there's a full report and it makes really interesting reading and I'm not just that's not just interesting for me they've summarized it with heaps of little graphics and pie charts and stuff like that and um and it's quite funny so I've picked out a few of the stats out of there and this is reflective just of Australia uh, last year in 2018 so in those stats it said almost eight in ten people or 79 percent of the Australian population now use social media and I thought we're an ageing population. I found that pretty staggering that mm. a bunch of Aussie oldies are on social media as well. Well, most of them, most of the ones I know are on social media, most of the older people I know. Yeah. Mm. Some of the other stats that came out of it was that 15% of people have felt anxious when unable to access their social media account mm. um, and that was especially high among 18 to 29-year-olds. So if you have lost your phone, lost your password, something like that, and can't get on, people start getting these physical symptoms mm-hmm. of anxiety. And I wonder how how people felt. It was only a couple of weeks or months ago now that Facebook and Instagram both dropped out for a morning. And mm-hmm. I wonder what the spike in anxiety rates were that morning when people thought it was just them before they realised it was a whole outage. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we um, when Facebook went down. I didn't notice myself, but um, we use face. I use Facebook a lot for business, and I use it a lot for communicating with the people that I'm on the board of the IOPO with. And we spend a lot of time in that Facebook group discussing issues and communicating, you know, questions back and forth and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, that was really annoying for us because there were a few things that we couldn't communicate. We had to sort of switch. I mean, it was easy enough to switch to email. But there were a few people that sort of said, oh, now how am I going to ask you this and how am I going to tell you this? But from a personal perspective, I didn't notice at all and I think I was working all day so I didn't even try to log on. But um, the it, it because it reaches such a broad range of our activities, like 
personal as well as work, I can understand that that anxiety to some degree, um, especially when uh, a lot of times communications are largely through social media accounts as well, like Messenger and Snapchat. Um, I know my my kids, or one of them especially, most of her communications with her friends are through Snapchat. So they, if they're arranging a social get-together or an event or they're trying to even just organise who's going to meet who and where, it's on Snapchat. And so if Snapchat goes down, then, you know, they're all like, oh, how do I... Oh, how do I contact him now? <laughs> I need to find out where to, where I'm going to meet him. I need I need to be able to see where he is. You know, on Snapchat they can see where their friends are, and um and so if Snapchat's down, it'd be like, oh, I don't know where he is now, which means I don't know whether he's going to be late or whether you know it's really quite interesting. Yeah, well, I think there's I would probably have a number of contacts in my phone that I only communicate with via messenger. I wouldn't even mm. have their phone numbers. So yeah, yeah, same. Mm. Yeah, you and I seem to be texters, don't we, Tara? I've noticed you and I don't use Messenger much at all. No, but I, I have to, this is a great point. I've been wanting to drop this into conversation for the last six months. For those of you that don't know about the difference in Beck and I, there's obviously there's lots of differences, but quite often we find ourselves coming to the same conclusion beck's now worried about what i'm about to say i know right but, i'm i'm looking at my messages to you going what's she gonna say when when i write a message to beck quite often i will think I know what you're gonna say about about what i need to tell her and i will write a long message sometimes bordering on a full essay this is i've got these three points to cover this 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 and this and then when beck replies my phone goes bing Bing, bing, bing. So Beck types sentence send, sentence send, word send, word send. She it's like as the thoughts pop into her head, she will type and send those text messages straight away. And so when my phone starts vibrating madly through dinner time or something, my kids are like, Do you wanna not check that? And I'm like, No, no, that's just Beck having a thought or a few thoughts. I'll get to that. It'll be fine. When she's finished, I'll check it in. Yeah. Yep. So that I can read the full conversation (laughs) or the full thought process. But so that's one big difference between us. And I think there's lots of people who have the same thing. There are people that are long text message writers. Yeah. And then there are people that send the short, sharp bursts. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've taught my my children to send the short, sharp bursts because I get that from from my my daughter does the same thing. She does the the little the little you know. I think that comes from using Messenger as well, um, a little bit. Like yeah, just translate that into text. But yeah, I knew that's what you were going to say, and that's because <laughs> last night I sent you a particularly was it yesterday? I sent yeah, you a particularly night. long stream of ideas <laughs> from six fifty six until seven pm. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. <laughs> Uh, all the all yeah. all the one thought really just split up. But yeah. um, so, sorry, Tara. That's all right. There are problems. There are problems on my end as well. I remember ringing my telephone company at some point, or whoever provides my plan, going, oh, "I've checked my bill, you know, for the first time in about five years," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "It seems like I keep, you know, where listed all my text messaging. I'm like, I'm being charged three times for each message that I send and." <laughs> And I said, I don't like it's to the same number at the same time, but you've charged me for three text messages. And they're like, yes, that's because your text messages are so long that <laughs> you you did you not know that per text message that the less the number of characters are capped? And so because you write an essay that counts as three text messages, I'm like, oh, there you go. I had Still no probably idea. cheaper so than anyway. my 12, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> Yeah, thank goodness we um, don't pay for text messages individually anymore. Well, I certainly oh, don't. I know. Be full on. Mm. So anyway, uh, back to stats. Where were we? Yeah. Um, Sorry. So almost 20% of people are happy to check social media while eating with family or friends. And the biggest culprits of this, this surprised me, are 30 to 39-year-olds. Oh, like 33% you. of 30 to 40-year-olds are happy to check their social media while with their family or friends and while mm. eating. And I thought we would know better in yeah. this age bracket than to do that's exactly what thought I we tell would have some manners. <laughs> yeah, my kids not to do. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. 
what else? Let me look through these stats here that are interesting. 11% of people are worried that their social media footprint might one day come back to bite them. Hmm. Um, all those things that they post while they're out partying, 15% of us, 15% of 30 to 39-year-olds are most likely to feel like feel this way. Hmm. And uh, more than a third of people now access social media more than five times per day and 90% of people between 18 and 30 check in at least once per day. But I'd say that's pretty typical. Most people yeah. will at some point check, check in. Um, the final stat before you all nod off with me just talking through statistics, um, and I thought I had to include this one, is males are more likely than females to use social media on the toilet. Oh, How's that? That's delightful. 17% of males versus 12. 12% of females still using social media on the toilet. I find so- that. The lesson in that Crazy. is don't pick up anyone else's phone. Certainly Ever. don't lick anyone else's phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gross. Well, they say the average phone is way dirtier than a toilet seat. Yes. That mm, makes sense because, because it does travel it a lot further than a toilet seat does and it goes into the bathroom. So, mm, yeah, gross. it is gross, isn't it? I'm just looking at my phone now kind of thinking, ooh, I'm going to go and wipe you down in a minute. <laughs> mm. So I guess the uh, the point of all those boring statistics is just to let you people know that social media is obviously massive and it's growing and it's not going away anytime soon. So... We need to, as individuals and a society, get a bit of a handle on the way we're using it and the way it's influencing us. And so hopefully today we can talk you guys through a few ways that we have done that and give you some tips if you want to do that in your life as well. Hmm. Yep, definitely, because you want to be the one that's in control of your social media use and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. We don't want the tail wagging the dog. Social media is addictive and I, until recently, did not know that it was designed to be that way. I thought it was just like chocolate, like it's good fun and you just keep going back. Hmm. But it's actually designed in a way to be addictive. I'm going to explain this for you. Some of you out there probably already know this are way ahead of me, Um, but for those of you that don't, so... Instagram, for example, has been intentionally designed to ignite the same neural pathways as poker machines or slots slots machines. So if you think of a typical poker machine and you either press the button or pull the lever and the wheel spins and then each fruit clicks into place one by one um, before you see if you they all line up and match up and you figure out if you've won the jackpot. So that delay where the fruit is spinning and slowly clicking into place. It's usually between two and five seconds. And that delay causes a spike in dopamine release in the brain because you're anticipating something good happening. You feel like something really exciting is imminent and about to happen. And so your brain releases this chemical, dopamine, and it makes you feel really excited and good and hyped up. And Instagram was designed exactly the same way. So when you first log on to Instagram, you don't have your likes and your new followers straight away on the screen. There's a two-second delay before they pop up. And that delay creates this exact same dopamine spike. um, And that dopamine spike then becomes addictive. And that's why people become addicted to poker machines because it's not... I mean, people know that you cannot or very, very rarely will ever get ahead. Poker machines are fixed to only pay out 85 to 87% of the time. So logically, you know that you will lose in the long run playing poker machines. So what keeps people going back? It's that dopamine release. It's that amazing high that they feel when they're on the cusp of winning And Instagram is exactly the same. You turn it on, you're on the cusp of having people like your picture or finding out how many comments or finding out how many people have decided to follow you and that little spike becomes addictive and you go back for it again and again. Mm -hmm. 
So there you go. Did you know that, Beck? I didn't know that in particular about Instagram and the delays, but I do know that they have, they meaning social media companies, have invested a lot of effort into making their software, their apps addictive. And I think I read somewhere, and because I'm not you, I haven't actually done the research here. I have to just pull it out of my brain. But I, if you Google it, you'll figure it out. But Apparently there are um, psychologists or gambling addict specialists. There are, I think, thousands on staff at Facebook. So they are addiction specialists that work for Facebook to make your experience more addictive over and over and over again. And there was even um, one thing that I heard was, and again, if anyone wants to check the accuracy of this, please do because my brain isn't overly reliable. So what Facebook does is it's got an, an algorithm that measures how when people stay on their phones for the longest. And they know that when you're laying down that you're more likely to stay on your phone for longer and you're more likely to stay on Facebook for longer. And so what they did is they worked out that when people woke up in the morning, if they opened Facebook before they got up, then they were more likely to stay on Facebook for longer. So what they did is they measured the times that people um, picked up their phones in the morning and then they timed your notifications to go with that time. So you'll get notifications, um, not necessarily, you get some notifications in real time, but there are other ones that pop up that aren't real time. And so they're telling you about something that happened the day before or something like that. Those ones are timed for when you are likely to be laying down, which is just, I just, it mm. boggles the mind that they even thought of this. Like it's it's actually quite clever of them to think of that from a marketing perspective, but it's horrifying for us because to me I feel like I'm being completely played. Yeah, absolutely. It's just um, yeah. they're onto it. They know what they're doing. This is the problem. We think we're in control, mm. but quite often we are not <laughs> and we don't realise how we're being manipulated to spend more time um, on these apps it's a bit scary yeah speaking of do you know how much time you spend on social media Beck? yes ish I've got an iPhone so I have the screen time function available to me so it will tell me how much time I've spent on my phone for the day and, um, and then it will actually break it down for me as to the like the most used categories so at the moment looking at it I've use I've been on my phone for 29 minutes today 14 minutes of that was Facebook app and then four minutes of it was Facebook pages app so 18 minutes on Facebook but some of that was work four minutes on messages but that was just while you were talking about all my messages I think (laughs) um and then I went on Instagram for 46 seconds so obviously I made a mistake there or I just decided I didn't have time to look at it so it will break it down and it will tell me and then it will tell me for the last seven days and I'm not reading that out because it's embarrassing how much time I've spent on so it will actually say that I've used Facebook and Instagram and Messenger and Twitter and it tells me for how long in the either today or in the last seven days that I've used those apps but I also use Facebook on my computer as well. So it's not a completely accurate picture, but it's probably 90% of it, I'd say, 80 90%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do know a little bit. Mm. I would be really interested to know how many people in our audience know how much time they spend because quite often it is a lot more than you think. Mm. So I would challenge our listeners to have a guess first, write it down, how much time you think you spend in a day or a week on social media, and then go looking for the truth. Mm. Um, So you can go um, into settings usually and find your, um, where your battery storage is. And if you scroll through your battery usage, sometimes it can... um, depending on your phone, it will sort your battery usage by app. So it can tell you that um, of all your battery power, you're spending 25% of your usage time on your camera, 10% looking at your photos, 8% on Instagram, things like that. Mm. Um, Or you can download specific apps to track your usage on social media. So the one that I have and... I will say I recommend it, but that's probably because I haven't looked 
very far what other apps do is called moment um and i was put onto this by a friend of mine and it allows you to set daily limits on the app um and the app will notify you if you're exceeding the daily limits you put on yourself there are settings in there that can force you to get off your phone by flooding your screen with really annoying (laughs) alerts and you can use it for families so you can track your family's device usage as well from your own phone if that's something you want to get into. I really just liked it for a daily update of how long I'd spent on my phone, whether that was mm. more or less than the day before um, and what apps I was using the most. And um, it was pretty astounding to me. I'll tell you what the results of that were in a bit. I'm not going to tell you um, mine. But <laughs> the, some of the other apps um, that you can use, and I've just got these by Googling, Um, uh, there's a couple of popular ones. Social Fever is one, Quality Time. There's one called Off Time. Uh, What you can do is just put into Google um, apps to monitor phone usage 2019 and there's quite a number of sites that will come up Mm. with the best apps, apps that are free, apps that you can pay more and depending on on what you want and what you want to track, there's heaps of different options out there for you. Yeah. The the iPhone native one actually is quite good because I've always I've tried a few apps for that as well and they didn't really work or they <laughs> they were they were too confronting but the the actual iPhone native app works really well and I when you mentioned something about kids as well one of the good things about the iPhone one is that you can use it for like if you've got family sharing. So what I've done is I've forced my kids because I'm mean to sign up for family sharing. So they can access all of my apps that I buy so they don't have to pay extra for them again. Uh, and they can access mm-hmm. any any apps that I download. Um, I have to approve all installs of apps or I can choose to need to approve all installs of apps. So if the kids want to get an app on their phone, I get to look at it first um, and approve it before it goes onto their phone. But the great thing is that I can see my kids' screen time. And this is cool. Yes, this is gold. I can see just how long they have been on their phone. And I remember one day, um, one, I won't, yeah, yeah, we'll dob it in. It's Ethan. Um, I'll dob him in because I've probably got a story about Zoe to tell as well. But one day he was in his room doing homework and I challenged him because he was meant to do something else. And he said, no, I'm doing homework. And I said, okay. And then an hour later I looked at his screen time and 50 of that 60 minutes that he was doing homework, he wasn't doing homework at all. He was on his phone. <gasps> and so I said to him, right, I, and I showed him. I said, you know, I can see your activity and he's like right <laughs> and so that was you know a bit alarming for him and just the other, yeah exactly and so he sort of went oh okay and I said look you can be on your phone just don't lie to me you know be honest and say oh yeah I'm, I'm on my phone doing this don't say to me I can't help you mum because I'm doing homework when you're not you know just, just don't lie to me and uh, and I and you can also set limits so at eight o'clock every night, my kids' phones pretty much shut down. I leave a few apps available to them and I can adjust it. So, you know, if, if Mick and I go out at night and leave them home on their own, I'll adjust it so that they've got screen time until later so that I can keep texting them. And mm-hmm. um, But you can switch off um, so, uh, social media. So I've given them limits on a certain amount of social media per day and that's the only amount that they can use. They can request extensions and sometimes Zoe will come to me and say, oh, mum, Snapchat died when I was halfway through a conversation. Can I have another 15 minutes? And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then she'll get another 15 minutes and at least she knows then how long she's got. She wraps up all her conversations and she's done. And games, it's there's a few different categories and you could just limit all like really quite tightly control it and um and I really really like that and and I have said I went into Zoe one day and I showed her her screen time and I just showed it to her I just put the phone up to her face and I said look and she went oh I need to go outside and go for a walk or something don't I and I said yeah you do because you've gone overdone you've overdone it today so um it's really helpful for for monitoring kids phone usage when they've got their own phone and and they're relatively autonomous you can still can still hang on to them just that little bit and can control some of the the time that they're spending because we all know that screen time isn't good for our kids brains and so you know if we can be a little bit better at controlling it then we can so yeah that's what i I really like the iphone screen time functionality it's great well i um put a little poll up 
yesterday in my Facebook group. It's called uh, Busting the Busyness for anyone that wants to come and join us there and asked some of the people in that group if they had any idea how many hours a week they spend on social media and a couple of them voted yes. They track Mm. it, which I was very impressed with. A few people (laughs) voted I didn't even know you could do that. Uh, and then a couple of people have said uh, no because I don't want to know. <laughs> so I think there's kind of an even spread about people that are, are onto it, people that have no idea that that was even possible and then others that In are denial. like, yeah, I know you can do that, but I can't, I can't face the truth. <laughs> so when I first put Moment on my phone, I got back some pretty astounding results in terms of I – I was busy. I was one of those people that complained that I was busy. And um, then Moment told me how many minutes or hours per day I was spending on Facebook. And at that point, Facebook was the thing that I was wasting. And I will use the word Mm. wasting my time on. And it was things like I would go on there, I would get a notification pop up on my phone saying someone's tagged me in something, I would go and check that. And then I would start this quick scroll because I've got, you know, just scroll for two minutes. And then I'd find a quiz about something ridiculous. (laughs) Like the example I always use is because this is the moment, this was kind of (laughs) my red flag moment. I spent like 15 minutes doing a quiz to find out if I was a vegetable, what vegetable (laughs) would I be? And I was just like how has it come to this? Like what what has my life come to when I'm complaining of being busy yet can tell you unequivocally that I would be a zucchini <laughs> if I was a vegetable? Like really? That's insanity. So at that time it was like, right, okay, I'm going to get off. So for me to limit the amount of time I spent on Facebook, I went drastic and I took Facebook off my phone altogether. So I left Messenger so I could still communicate with my friends that were on Facebook but I didn't have their phone numbers and I left Facebook on the iPad but I never took the iPad out of the house with Mm. me and usually I only pick up the iPad because my recipe books are on there. So quite often that's the only time I'll use it at home. I don't really pick it up for anything else, maybe to put some music on or something. So the barrier for me to get on Facebook would be to locate the iPad and click on the Facebook link. And that there was probably a month where I didn't even go on Facebook at all because I just, once it was not accessible or really easily accessible to me, and we're not talking like I didn't have to climb a mountain to get the iPad. I had to walk Mm -hmm. into another room and take it off a charger. That was enough of a barrier to stop me opening it. So to get on there, I had to be really intentional and I couldn't be bothered. And then after I was off it for a month, I'm like, I don't even miss it. I thought I'd think I was missing out. But my friends that have had babies have still told me they've had babies. Mm. And anyone that's had any birthdays to celebrate that I would normally want to call or ring, I have them in my phone anyway. Mm. So I've still called. I'm like, I'm actually not missing it. So Now, a couple of years later, I do have Facebook back on my phone, Mm -hmm. but I don't use much time. Yeah, I don't. It's like I I detoxed myself from Mm. Facebook. And so now I probably spend maybe an hour to two hours per week on Facebook. And I can back that up because. Mm. Tara visits occasionally. <laughs> I'll tag her in something or something, and then three days later she replies. So I think that um, you're definitely not making that up because we, when we did our Be Uncluttered group, yeah, Tara's had to force herself to come in and spend time with us because it's you're out of the habit now. Yeah, which is, and it's nice that I can explain to people mm. why that is, um, that it's not because I don't care. It's just that I found that I had to, to put some barriers in my way to 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 make some more time for stuff that I thought was more important yeah. than being on Facebook. So what about you, Beck? You've limited some time on social media. How did you um, do that? What I've sort of not necessarily limited my time. I've the reason why I've done some drastic things on social media is actually more for my state of mind, I guess. I've found 
I mean, obviously it, it, ha- it does take up a lot of time as well and I've taken measures to reduce that, which I'll talk about. But one of the other reasons was just to reduce the amount of information I was exposed to that I didn't really want to be exposed to and also that, you know, when you if you log on to Facebook and you've got your news feed and if you've got lots of like, if you've got lots of pa- pages that you like, if you've got lots of friends, you could pretty much spend... 24 hours a day scrolling through that news feed and always get new content and new things to look at and comment on. And I just found that to be a complete waste of my time and it would just suck me in and I would get caught up in just scrolling through that, you know, finding new things. And um, and it was just, yeah, it was a bit of a time waster. But also I was seeing stuff I didn't want to see. I was seeing things posted by people that I wasn't interested in and not nothing i mean occasionally offensive things but nothing that was awful really bad but just stuff that wasn't it wasn't me it was i wasn't interested in and i was thinking i don't care about that why do i keep seeing this and i and i was very aware that on social media we have information thrust upon us rather than going and seeking out information that interests us so i decided to do a bit of an overhaul so what i did and i don't know really anyone else who has done this I don't think um but so people are often surprised but I unfollowed every single one of my friends so I don't follow any of my Facebook friends at all so none of what they say or do or like or comment on appears in my newsfeed if I want to see what they're doing I can still because they're still my friend on Facebook if I, I can still go to their profile and and go oh what have they been up to lately or have a look at their holiday pictures or you know those kinds of things if I'm interested in seeking out that information but it's not thrust upon me all the time and like you I haven't I've missed a few things but it's not the end of the world uh, and someone will tell me something anyway Um, I'll find out directly someone will shoot me a text if it's really important uh, or they'll tag me in a post um, if it's really important and so I don't sort of follow any anyone um, and it's if I do comment on up someone's post it's because I've actually gone in and had a look at their feed because I'm interested in what they're up to so I also um unliked almost all of the Facebook pages that I was following or unfollowed or unliked them and so that again reduced the amount of stuff coming into my news feed and uh, I kept a few on there that I did find interesting so I've kept a few that I need to use to share on my business social media pages so on the Be Uncluttered page or on Clearspace or on my learning collective one so I've kept those Um, because occasionally and they're mostly minimalist ones and simplified ones and that kind of stuff that I like to share a lot of Uh, but that's pretty much all that shows up on my newsfeed and then all of the posts that come from the groups that I'm in so I reassessed those groups as well and all bar about four groups I don't receive notifications on and they don't show up in my newsfeed and if I want to go and seek information I can go into that group and seek some information or do a search or do a post so that's pretty much what I did to curate my social media and pretty much just unfollowed everyone so my newsfeed is made up mostly of posts out of a few select groups but yeah that's what I did that's that's not dissimilar to Ryan Nicodemus from The Minimalist. He, I think it was with Instagram, he unfollowed, like not just took them off of his feed, he actually unfollowed everybody and then just waited to see, kind of like a reset to see who he actually wanted to check up oh, on because yeah. he said, oh, you know, if I think, oh, you know, what's that person been up to, yeah. I can look them up, have a look. And if I find that I'm I'm sitting there thinking oh, I'm I'm really missing hearing the information from that person or seeing what that person's up to, then I will make a decision now to intentionally bring them back into my feed. But I think what happens a lot, especially on Instagram, and I I will get this: people will follow me, and then I think, oh, well, the polite thing to do is follow them back. And then I get so much stuff in my feed that I'm like, I don't even know who this is. Whose baby photo am I even looking at? And so, yeah, I think I think trying to be really intentional about the people that you allow to put because they are putting stuff in front of mm. you. You're not, I mean, you're choosing to go on the app, but as soon as you do that, other people are putting their stuff in your face yeah. and 
and you're allowing them to do that. So if you don't want that stuff there, mm. you need to take control. Yeah. And you don't have to unfriend them. Like you don't have to get all political and have to worry about upsetting relationships and stuff like that. Unfollowing them is invisible to them. They don't know you've done that. I mean, I've just told every single mm. one of my Facebook friends that they're unfollowed by doing this if they listen. But, you know, generally no one's going to know. And you, you're, you're lighter. You're so much lighter. You don't, you don't get... And this is another thing that I did as well, which my mum can't understand, is I stopped watching the news and listening to the news. So I don't listen to the news on the radio. I don't watch the news. I certainly don't watch commercial news at all. And I tend to um, avoid it on on Facebook as well by unfollowing everybody. And she couldn't get used to that idea. She said to me, how do you know what to talk about with people? And I said, well, they watch the news. I just ask them to tell me what the news is and then they'll tell me the news or I can go and seek it out myself. Um, if, I, if I'm if i interested in hearing more about something or if I hear a, a hint of something somewhere, uh, I can then go and seek that out if I'm interested in it or I can hide from it if it upsets me. I have a choice um, and I, I really have found that to be excellent for my mental health. So I have found um, a couple of articles and, again, I will put links to these on our show notes page on the website. Two that I'm going to just summarise really quickly because I think they're quite interesting. One is called Social Media Makes Me Feel Bad About Myself. Um, It was written in 2011, so pretty old Mm. now, but it's funny to think that it's still so relevant and it's still experienced by a lot of people. Uh, The lady that wrote it, her name is Jennifer Garam. I think she's American. And she explains how she was feeling when she was on social media and some of what she said, it's a pretty candid article, but it just like it resonates. So um, she said, you know, everything always appears wonderful and everyone else's lives are amazing. Mm -hmm. And she would wake up in the morning and see that and then start the comparison of her life. And she said when she was feeling quite depressed Um, she tried to pull herself out of it by creating a facade of cheeriness on social media. So instead of acknowledging the way she was feeling, she would try and convince people through her Mm. feed and through her posts that she was amazing and happy and cheery and having the best life. And then that made her feel worse. And this kind of cycle created quite low self-esteem and some real anxiety for her about underachieving in her Mm. life. And then um, she goes on to explain her favourite game, which was called Compare and Despair. And she said by taking her eyes off of her own path and her life um, and spending too much time looking at someone else's path or someone else's facade. And I think sometimes we forget that's what it is, Mm. um, that it's the highlights reel of someone's life Usually it's not an accurate representation of what their life looks like every day. And she said by taking her eyes off of um, being focused on her own life and her own journey and being busy comparing to other people, she lost all sense of groundedness um, and she stopped recognising and appreciating her own accomplishments. Mm. And I've got a little quote here from her. She says, there are people checking in here and hanging out there, tagging each other with inside jokes, and I feel like I'm reading someone else's high school yearbook and that person is having the best time ever and I'm still in my pyjamas drinking my coffee as life passes me by in tweets and status updates. And it's so true because quite often it's the moments when we're at home in our PJs or quiet when we look at social media and it's at that moment that while we're doing nothing that we see that everyone else around us is doing something Mm. and something worthy of putting on Facebook and that can create this really negative loop in our mind about our own self-worth. Yeah, and our own position in life and how we're spending our time and and how we look and what clothes we wear and who we spend our time with and and it brings up, it is just like high school, you know, you, you see a, a photo of three of your close friends out together and you weren't invited or you or even just you see them just doing something fun um you know on their own and you think oh I, I could be a part of that or I haven't heard from why hasn't she called me for a while you know she's socializing all the time but she hasn't called me and these the, all of that just feeds feeds our insecurities and just makes us feel you know awful again and yeah we do feel like we're back at high school um, and yeah, that's why I unfollowed everybody so I wasn't going to feel like that. Yeah. 
Well, that's it's a conscious choice, mm. isn't it, to either expose yourself to that and live with the feelings or not. And I think people kind of resign themselves to the fact that they want to be connected. Mm. I say that term loosely because you're not really connected. Uh, you want to be connected to people via social media, but there are ways that you can control it. Mm. The second article I found was from an ABC reporter called Nicole White and she her article is called Why I Deleted Instagram and Feel Better for It. So she said I think in, Instagram was part of her work role as well but only a small part but she said that she found out that she was spending about 14 hours a week on Instagram. Mm. Could you imagine if someone gave you 14 hours extra in your week what you could do with it if you yeah. knew that that's that you were wasting that time. And so now she deleted, or after she found out that, she deleted the app and she said since then she's got to be more present in her life. She said she's free of the endless scroll and free from the need to capture and record everything. She says, um, and this is a direct quote from her article, if a moment happens but we're too busy trying to capture it, does the moment actually Mm -hmm. happen? And that is so true. You look at any school assembly (laughs) or sporting event, and half of the people there have got their phones on, not watching Mm. their child get an award or kick a goal or do something fabulous. They're busy recording their child Mm. do that. And I just think, you know, when we were kids and we looked up, our parents were just looking at us with admiration. They weren't checking to make sure the filter's Mm. right so that it's capturing the scene in perfect light, you know, um, because, you know, they don't, make eye contact with you you're looking Mm. at your phone even though your phone is recording them and it's just that moment's gone then and even though you've got a record of it you're not Mm. in that moment you're never standing behind the camera Mm. yeah Mm. I mean there's there's lots of good things I mean I'm I'm sort of as we're going through this episode I'm thinking like we sound like we're really down on social media but there's lots of great things about social media and there's lots of great things about capturing and recording things but what we're trying to do here is just offer uh, a a look at the other side of the coin just to see if we can maybe balance it a little bit, um, balance the positive yeah. you know, and have and, and get the most out of all the good things about social media without having to experience all the negative things. And I think there is a real place for social media. And mm. I was listening to a podcast episode only this week from The Minimalists and I will put a link to that and it's about... I think it's about decluttering your digital media or something like that. And it's got Cal Newport, who's an absolute brain, and he's very, very clever about all things um, electronic and social media and things like that. And they talk about it and about decluttering um, your social media. So if you if this episode today from us has resonated, that might be another one to, to tune into. But Joshua Fields Milburn talks about the benefit of Facebook and social media and it's so true there are ways that we can connect with people that we would have lost touch with which is brilliant and it's also a really useful tool for when you feel isolated if you move to a new place or a new community um, or you start in a new a new job or a new chapter of your life and you're not really fitting in there might be other people across the globe that have the exact same experience. You might be someone that I'm going to just um, make this up now. You might be someone that's really into art and you've moved to a small country town, there's no gallery, there's nothing to appreciate and you want to talk to people about art and your love of art but there's no one around that you can have one-on-one interactions with to fulfil that need of yours to communicate about art. You can go and find that tribe, that community Mm. on Facebook or on Instagram or online in some social media platform and have those discussions and you are connected to your tribe of people despite being um, scattered by location. And that is brilliant. And that is where I'm like these platforms are Mm. really, really useful. The fact that we can interact back with our community Mm. online regardless of their location about a topic that we're all united on is brilliant The problem for me then comes when those social interactions, the one-on-one in-person interactions 
are then diluted because we feel like they've been replaced online. So instead of dropping in to visit a friend, you just send messages yeah. after message or you interact through a feed and that kind of thing. And I think that's where that's where we get into trouble is we start replacing one with the other. Mm. And that's where I think loneliness and that kind of stuff can creep yeah. in. Because it, it can be, they can complement each other so well, but they can, you know, also social media can, or just technology in general, can just really get in the way. And, you know, that example that you gave earlier of people thinking it's okay to go on their phones when you're sitting down to have a meal with people, I, I, the only time, I'm trying to think if I've picked up my phone during a meal. Certainly we don't do it at our house. Our phones are away and if there's a phone even on the table, it's generally I'm told to put away. Um, sometimes they're there just by accident, but they're never used and no one's allowed on them and, and um, that's just a rule we've held in our house forever. And we try and do that when we're out for dinner as well unless it's a work thing. Uh, we tend to avoid picking up our phones. But, you know, one of the things that very long time ago I remember meeting up with somebody to have a coffee and we were chatting away and while I was talking she reached over and picked up her phone and started scrolling through Twitter. And I was talking to her. Like I know I talk a lot and I can get boring, but I was talking to her and looking at her face and she just looked away, picked up her phone and started reading Twitter while I was in the middle of something and I was just appalled at that I just thought that's awful and I still sometimes find myself doing that like picking up a phone when there are people around and I have to keep bringing myself back and reminding myself what that looks like from the outside we don't we don't when we're in the middle of it we don't actually think about what it looks like from the outside and we've probably noticed people doing it before and we would do it ourselves, but we don't notice it as, as much as when we notice someone else doing it, if that makes sense. Because when you're in the middle of it, you feel invisible, don't you? Like if there's mm-hmm. a whole big group of people around and you're sitting there on your phone and you're looking at your phone, you feel invisible. You feel like no one can see you. You feel like you've you've put this little bubble around yourself and you haven't. You're really obviously standing there ignoring everybody, but it just doesn't feel like that. Yeah. And I think we need to remind ourselves that there, when there are people there, that people are more important than what is happening on your phone. And if you want to look on your phone, you look up at the person and you say to their face, excuse me, for five minutes, I need to just go and faff about on Facebook for five minutes to get my fix, you know, or you can, you know, be less honest and say, excuse me, but I need to go and message this person. It's important. Um, but just by doing that, you're acknowledging that their presence for a start and acknowledging that, that they exist and the importance of them. But we just, we do fail to do that so much. And I'm, you know, I'm guilty of it too. I catch myself doing it and I try and stop. Um, but um, I still sometimes catch myself doing it. And I remember one time, I think it was probably the start of the time where I started to be try and be better at this. But Zoe said to me, she was, oh, I don't know, 10 at the time or something, and she said, Mum, Mum, I've got something really important to tell you and I want you to remember it and I want you to hear it, so can you put your phone down? And I was like, oh, gosh, <laughs> That's just, that was awful. <laughs> that was a real wake-up call for me. And uh, so now I try really hard to not have my face in my phone when, when the kids are around me at all or I'll tell them that I'm doing something on my phone so that they know I've, you know, that I know that they're there and that I acknowledge their existence. But, yeah, it's so easy to do, so easy to forget the real people around you. Yeah, I think... I've heard somewhere, and I really like this analogy, and you'll be really impressed that it's not based around food, <laughs> um, about uh, going on your phone generally, but especially social media in a public setting, you should treat the same as lighting a cigarette. Ah, that's so cool. if you, even if your, if your phone rings and you glance at it and then choose to ignore it because you can call them back, fine. But if you decide you want to pick that phone up, instead of just stopping mid-conversation, you excuse yourself and you go and take it outside or you take it in a quiet corner somewhere, remove, like remove yourself mm. from the situation. If you want to check something or you've got a notification, and side note, that's a good way to oh, spend yes. less time on social media is turn off those notifications. Yeah, I, did, I forgot so, that. I've done all that with mine. I don't have, I only have messages I message and text that give me notifications now. Yeah, same. Because then you go on when you choose mm. to go on rather than someone Telling else you instructing to. you that there's a yeah. reason. Mm. So um, if you get a notification and you really want to go and check it, 
then you excuse yourself and say, sorry, you know, can you just give me a moment? There's something I need to chase up. And you leave the table, leave the situation, leave the person, do what you need to do, and then come Mm. back because that is far less offensive than just switching off. So if you start thinking of, you know, when you're in a social setting, your phone being like a packet of cigarettes and whether you're going to engage in that in the middle of a social setting or not might change the way you you mm. integrate that into your environment. Yeah. yeah, and and also I think that sometimes we we enable it ourselves, like we enable each other. So one one person in a group will pick up their phone and so then the rest of them all think it's okay because someone else has done and then everyone's on their phone. Um, and I know that I mm-hmm. use that as a little excuse in my mind is, is you know, if I'm at a, a, a bar with friends and with two friends and both of them, I, I come back from from getting a drink and they're both on their phones, I'll just check my phone while they're doing that. And I don't need to. I just That just triggers me too and that's something that I'm trying to be more aware of as well is, you know, I don't need to get my phone out just because somebody else has got their phone out. I can survive without it. Oh, one other thing that has stopped me using my phone as much and my phone usage has gone down um, since I did it, but I bought an Apple Watch. And I bought it mostly because of my ADHD um, and it's great to re- reminding me to do things that I normally forget to do because I'm too busy doing something more fun. And um, so I've bought it for that. But I found it really useful from a phone usage perspective as well because I can't get distracted by all of the stuff on my phone when I do have to do something. So if I actually have to go to my phone let's say, to um, to read a text message. So my phone dings and there's a text message. I have to go to my phone. I read the text message. I won't, won't just then put my phone down. I'll then go and check stuff and waste a whole lot of my time. And it's a habit that I'm trying to break, but I know I do it, so I'm going to be honest about it. I'll do it. But when I get a text message on my Apple Watch, I can look at it, I can respond to it, but there isn't much else to play with after I finish doing that. So I just then you know, finish what I'm doing. And then I just carry on with whatever it was that I was doing before I got the message. And so I'm not actually then getting distracted and getting sucked down into the rabbit hole of all of the the things. Uh, So I've found that to be, I don't know how long it will last, whether uh, it will be a lasting Mm. effect, but I found it to be a rather expensive way to stop using my phone, but it's a good Mm -hmm. side effect um, that I've noticed that I wasn't anticipating. Um, I think something that we really need to draw our attention to as well is the feeling that we have when we come off social media so when you are on it and you're enjoying it and you get off and you feel light and airy and great about yourself that's awesome but if you get off social media and feel worse than when you went on then that's a pretty big sign that you need to change Mm. something so if you don't want to completely disconnect, then you might not want to do a full digital detox. I went away for, I think it was only four or five days last year. And I told everyone around me that I was turning my phone off as I left the state and that I would be back in five days if they needed to reach me, if it was an emergency to call Ryan, Mm. because he was with me. That's my husband. He was with me. The kids were with me. So I was like, anyone else that needs to contact me, due to an emergency can call my husband and that's fine and I totally I didn't touch my phone for four days and it was amazing Mm. um so if 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 you can't do that for work reasons or you know um you need to be connected to your kids because they're in a different area than you things like that that might not work for everyone um but there are some other things that you can do to try and detox yourself a little bit from it so first of all remind yourself that what you are looking at on social media is the highlight reel of someone's life. It's not a reflection of their everyday. And if you keep that front of mind, that can get you on the right path to appreciating what you see without internalising it and comparing it to your own life. Uh, You can also have a look and see if there are any particular patterns or um, particular people or posts that you don't want to see um, because you're either comparing yourself or they make you feel bad or it's a group of friends that you feel excluded from and so it's best to not know what they're doing, Uh, all that kind of stuff. You can then um, just highlight those particular areas and and unfollow their their feeds, mute them on Twitter, unsubscribe, unfollow, um, all that kind of stuff. 
so that you don't, aren't exposed to that um, so much anymore. There are lots of people that are inspired by perfection, but there are a lot more people that are discouraged by perfection or that are made to feel bad. So have a really good hard look at these things. Are you, you might be following these these pages uh, and Instagram is a classic example, but you might be following those accounts for inspiration. But if you really look at it, are they inspiring you or are they just making you dislike your current life? And really ask yourself that question because uh, a lot of the time we fool ourselves into thinking we're being inspired and we're actually not. And also ask yourself when you're posting why you're posting. If you if your motivation to post something is to get other people around you to be jealous of you or be jealous of your lifestyle, then that, that's probably not the right motivation because a lot of people are doing that and then that is what creates that feeling of um, dissatisfaction with our own lives. So if you've got a great piece of information or an article or a f- beautiful photo of your kids that you want to share, great. But if it is about look how good I am, look where I am, look what I'm doing, look how amazing my life is, and the sole purpose of that post is just to promote yourself and make other people wish that their life was like yours, just think twice before you put it mm. up Um and then we can start a, you know, start a culture, start a ripple of of people that are just sharing quality content rather than, um, you know, the feeding this, game. this beast. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so yeah, you can protect yourself from from all sorts of um, negative social media impacts by unfollowing and all that. But you can also protect your friends uh, by being careful about what you post too. Um, and make sure when you've got people in your feed that you like and who are adding joy or positivity to your social media experience, make sure you do like their things. If you're on Instagram, for example, and there's, you know, people that you follow that make you feel bad, but you keep liking their posts out of obligation, Instagram's algorithms see that Mm. and they think that's what you like. That's what they'll give you more of. So if you are not feeling great about that but you want to keep following them, just consider not liking everything they Mm. do and be really selective with the things that you choose to like because when Instagram sees that you're liking lots of posts for people that are posting pictures about their no-waste journey and living a life with less rubbish and things like that and green eco-friendly solutions that's what they will give you more of and if that stuff lights you up and makes you feel good great if you're always liking pictures of models in bikinis which is maybe what you're aspiring to but not where you're at now and you look through that feed and just feel self-loathing stop liking those pictures and then instagram will stop putting them at the top of your Mm, feed be really stingy with your likes this i actually read a really good article about um, someone who I think in their Facebook feed they stopped liking posts and it the it mm. really changed what came up on their feed and I thought that was really interesting. Again, I didn't do the research so I haven't got a link to it but maybe I can see if I can find that because it was quite interesting how, um, but again, the algorithms changed and it might have been a few years ago but I found that to be really interesting. Um, yeah, stop liking things and just see how your feed changes. Also, try to avoid starting your day with social media. Start your day with your own goals and aspirations for the day or even if you don't want to think that deep, just start your day with something health and fresh and positive. Go for a walk, uh, put some music on, read a book or, you know, focus yourself a little bit inwards or within your family or your surroundings rather than starting your day looking at the lives of others. Mm. And it can have a really big impact on on your mental state for the day, for the morning. If you start your day by comparing your life to someone else's, that's not that's not going to set you up in good stead to have a really awesome day. So think about think about that. Yeah. Um, and also try having a social media free day. Like I said before, I did this four day complete phone detox, but that's not practical for everyone. But there's a friend of mine. Vicky in the UK, she's great. She will have a screen-free Saturday or a screen-free Sunday and the same with her kids and we'll just give her a day off social media um, and her kids a day off their 
um, iPads and devices and stuff as well. Maybe that's something you could implement just to mm. be a bit more intentional about I've your tried usage. That. I forget. <laughs> By two o'clock, I wander over and pick up my phone, and then you know, twenty minutes later, I'm like, "Oh, that's right. I'm not meant to. I should put a sign on it. Don't pick me up." One of the things that I did um, when I took Facebook off my phone, I also moved where my Instagram icon was on my phone. I put it on the my third mm. page of apps rather than on the first page. And it's funny because you start noticing how often when I would pick my phone up, my thumb would just go to the place yeah. where the Instagram icon used to be. And it's funny, it's those tiny little tricks that can really start to change the wiring in your brain to think, oh, I'm doing this, not even because I want to. I am consciously mm. doing this, it's just memory. out of habit. Yep. It's interesting, isn't it? I I did that as well. Mm. I was inspired by a post I saw, which is you know, very typical of me, and I created a folder called Regret, which I put all my social media things in. <laughs> cool. Yeah, but it didn't work because, and it's and it's <laughs> like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's six pages away, like, so I've got to scroll like six times to find it. And so, of course, I didn't want to scroll six times to avoid. So I, my brain found the shortcut. So now I just scroll once to the left, and then I just type F in search, and the Facebook app comes up. <laughs> so like I'm, I'm so, I, I'm so good at <laughs> sabotaging my own efforts here. So that's pretty much my new habit now. Is I get to apps from the Siri app suggestions on the my on the left side of my of my homepage or I search for the app that I want and it doesn't stop me it's it's so stupid that I I <laughs> I'm so clever at sabotaging myself <laughs> but it was a good idea to begin with until I was like oh but I need you know to go on Facebook pages because I need to do like a, a clear space post or or something like that so rather than scrolling I would just quickly search and now that's become my new habit is I immediately swipe mm. left. Isn't that swipe funny? Right. Yeah. How we can trick ourselves oh. and then justify it because it's not like you've moved Facebook to your home screen. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I still, I'm still mm. being very good with my, all in my folder called regret, which I never look at anymore because I don't go that all that seven pages over. So mm. I need to just keep inventing new ways to trick myself. Um, and then my brain will find a new way to go around it. I'll just try and keep ahead of myself. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a brain like mine, constantly uh, trying to outsmart myself. <laughs> um, if you're someone that really enjoyed our busy episode because you find yourself really busy, <laughs> then um, try and implement a few of these things because mm. it's amazing how much time you can reclaim when you start start putting in some oh, of these little sure. hacks. And and just and not only time but mental health. Like just some of the things that happen on social media uh, can be so upsetting. And so another one of my tips is to don't read the comments. So mm -hmm. if you, especially with me, I've built myself a little bubble that I don't see anything that I don't choose to see. However, sometimes I will click on a link to a post that's been in a group or something like that, a public post, and those public posts which the whole world and pretty much all of the losers in it comment on this particular public post, like some of the, the news ones are the worst ones. But these comments just remind me, of why I blocked myself off from the rest of the world on social media because some of the people just say the most awful things and reading the comments reminds me that those people exist and it upsets me. So um, I try and stay away from awful people and I've designed my life that way and so I find it really upsetting when I accidentally come across them. So that's one of my recommendations and I do it as much as I possibly can is just don't read the comments. Stick to, you know, your friends and people that are kind to you and read their comments but don't go into the whole public domain and just read comments it's just a recipe for disaster which then leads me to not feeding the trolls as well and there is no point trying to be right on the internet 
And it doesn't matter if you are wrong. It doesn't matter if somebody else is wrong. It's easy for you to just say, I don't need to correct that person. I'm going to step back from this and I'm not going to necessarily try because you're not going to change their mind. Like this is the thing, trying to change somebody's mind on the internet is futile and so there's mm-hmm. no point all you're going to do is get upset and one of my one of my best friend's favorite phrases is do not wrestle with a pig you get all muddy and they have a ball and so that's what I sort of think about people on the internet as well is you know just don't wrestle with the pigs there's no point to it you know you're just going to get all muddy and dirty and they're going to have fun and then it's going to ruin your day so don't wrestle with the pigs don't read the comments that's my my advice as well for sanity yeah and be really savvy this is this is a you know social media is an awesome invention for the right reasons Mm. but take back control get rid of the people that aren't filling your cup get rid of the groups that you don't participate in anymore clean up your declutter your screen so that when you are on your homepage, there's not 50,000 pages and links and groups Mm. on the left and all the notifications on the right, you know, try and minimise some of that so that you can enjoy it for the good stuff without subjecting yourself to the bad. And remember that social media is never, ever going to add up to the awesomeness of having a one-on-one personal face-to-face connection Mm. with someone. You can never get a hug. (laughs) Even the emoji hugs, even the GIF hugs, they're they're not even half as good as the real life hugs. Yeah. They're not, it's nice to be able to send someone a hug when you can't reach them. But it, you're right. It's, you know, we do have to make sure that we don't neglect our in person relationships and interactions because of social media. We can have them both. We just have to be careful mm-hmm. just not to drop one of them um, and, um, and fall into that, that trap. But yeah, it's a great tool, it's done awesome things. Like I don't think we would have half the listeners that we have for a start if it wasn't for social media. Um, it's 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 part of the fabric of our lives now, but it is a tool, and so we just need to make sure that we we use the tool in a way that is helpful for us, not unhelpful. And uh, so there's nothing we can say. You can say all the good or bad things about social media um in the world but it's the way you use it that makes the difference and so you are in complete control of how you use these tools so use them wisely look after yourself okay and this week's challenge is makeup delve deep go to the backs of the drawers and the bottoms of your handbag find all the makeup that you cannot remember the last time that you used and discard it also Check for expiry dates. And if you're ex- if there's no expiry dates on your makeup items, have a smell because quite often your makeup and mascaras and eyeliners and things like that can go rancid after six months of being open um, and you can quite often tell if they're good or bad by the smell of them. So dig deep, see what you can find, keep what you use and what you love and get rid of the rest. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.